Angie and I came to Blairsville and the House of Prayer 13 years ago, if my math is right. And there was a Bible study starting um, that ended up five or six men and Fred and I and I think four, four or five others were in that Bible study and it was supposed to go about six weeks. Well, we got to the end of that six weeks and we said, we don't wanna stop. This, is, this has been too good. Um, and it evolved into not just Bible study, but getting to know each other. We took a week each and shared our testimony, shared our challenges in life so that we, by the end of those five or six weeks, then we got to know each other. And um, Fred was a huge part of that because of his deep faith, because of his uh, background as a, a pastor and Christian and missionary. And so I, I love this man. And uh, those of you who, who know him, love him too, and the rest of you will by the end of this session. So uh, Brother Fred, it is good to have you. Fred grew up in a Christian home. He was born in Tennessee, but in the first grade, he moved with his family to the inner city of Chicago. Why anybody would do that? I, he was saved at the age of 12, and he lived in Chicago for all his school years. After graduation, he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, where he met his future wife, Betty. This year, they will celebrate their 51st anniversary. That was written last year before, so it was uh, 52. This okay, there you go, 52. God called him into ministry at the age of 24, and he served in the ministry in both bivocational and full-time positions. Fred was a career policeman serving as a patrol officer, detective, narcotics officer, and SWAT team commander. Fred and Betty now have been missionaries to East Africa for over 18 years. He is a living miracle, having been touched by the Lord, after being diagnosed with terminal cancer from exposure to Agent Orange. To God be the glory. Welcome our brother, Fred Freeman. You guys full? You get enough to eat? If you didn't, it's your fault. That was really good. Well, for me, this is kind of a, a, a little mini homecoming too, because as I look out there, I see so many of you that for the last 10 years, we were able to kind of cultivate the same ground and, and uh, forge some very good, close friendships and, uh, and have some really good times together. So. Uh, just know that uh, you will always be in mine and Betty's hearts. And times like this that we're able to come back and spend a little time up here and see you. And uh, uh, Jeff might have thought he got out of it, but brother, I'm coming back Sunday morning to hear you preach. So looking forward to it. And uh, then we'll have to, to get back home. We've had kind of a two-year vacation, not really a vacation, from uh, going to Africa. COVID and then we moved and 
had a great move. It was a, it was a different kind of move. Everything we had was stolen. And uh, so we didn't get to go to Africa because we were trying to put our lives back together. Guys, they took my underwear. I mean, they took everything. So, but we're back now and, and uh, I have new underwear on tonight and uh, thankful for that. I want to praise the Lord. But uh, God took care of us and I'm telling you, it, it was a traumatic thing, but I've got to tell you, Romans 8:28 is still in the Bible and it is so true because God took care of us and he took what we thought was a bad thing, and it was a bad thing, and he made it into a good thing. And that's just how our God is. But tonight, I want our focus to be on, on who we are. And I want to talk to you tonight about uh, being, being the man that God wants you to be. And um, I want you to listen, not just with your ears tonight. I'm going to ask you uh, in just a moment to bow your heads. We're going to pray and ask God to open the ears of your heart and to give your eyes understanding. I want you to get this message tonight because guys, it's not me, it's the God I'm here to represent that wants to communicate with your soul tonight. And God does have something for each one of you men sitting out there, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how tall you are, I don't care how short you are, God has something for you to do. He gifts each one of us uniquely. And one of the greatest things I've ever seen is how God can take diversity and turn it into unity in the body of Christ. But he does that. How does he do that? Well, he's God. He is God and he is an awesome God. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Now, if you turn to 2 Chronicles, just take a left and go right back to 1st, chapter 12. Just one verse is what I want to share with you. And while you're looking, this was a time when David was a fugitive from Saul, who was the king at that time. Um, Saul became very jealous of David. <clears throat> And if you haven't read that story, boy, you're talking about one of the best stories in the Bible. The story of David is an incredible story. And um, David was, uh, was not a super Christian. Uh, and, and by the way, there's no such thing. Uh, I don't care who they are or what their claim to fame is. Hey, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And I stand before you tonight and I can so understand the Apostle Paul when he said that he was the chief of sinners, because I know what that's like, and, and you do too. So there's no such thing as a super Christian. They do not exist. There are people that follow God, and there are people that, that try to follow God, and there are people that don't care about following God. But I believe you have an interest there, or you wouldn't be here tonight. So in, in Chronicles chapter 12, Verse 32, this is a time, like I said, when David is, is fleeing from Saul because he's trying to kill him. And he's at a place called uh, Ziklag. And all of his army is coming there and they're assembling. And I'm telling you guys, these incredible warriors that David had. I mean, today we have Delta Force, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, uh, we've got a lot of special forces today. 
these guys were David's special forces. I mean, and, and you, had to, you, had to, you had to see that that's what they were because it says they could take a bow and arrow and they could shoot it with precision right-handed or left-handed. They could take a stone and throw a rock right-handed or left-handed. One of his men in the middle of a snowstorm, and, and if you've ever been out, some of you guys hunt like I do, and I've been out hunting when it was snowing really bad, and, I, and a deer came out and I wanted to shoot it, but the snow was so, so bad going in my eyes, I had a hard time keeping my eyes open. This guy was in a pit and there was a snowstorm. And it wasn't a deer, he killed a lion in that pit, in that snowstorm. Others have done these great feats of, of, of courage and strength and bravery. So they were warriors and they were his special forces. And they fought the battles and many of them lost their lives. We're in a battle tonight, guys. And so that's why this verse I'm going to read is going to be important. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. The sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Doesn't say anything about their physical prowess. Doesn't say anything about their marksmanship. Doesn't say anything about their agility. These men were, these men were smart and they understood the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. I wanna declare to you tonight, my brothers, that if we have ever in this nation lived in a time when we need men who understand the times and knows what America needs to do, we're here. And we are some of those men that God needs. God is kind of like that recruiting poster that was out many years ago. And it says uh, that the army's looking for a few good men. Well, so is God. And I'm going to tell you something, God's, God's uh, retirement system is, is a lot better than the army's, okay? It really is. So these guys, they, they understood. They understood the times they lived in. I mean, I've heard so many people in the last 10 years say that you ought not mix politics with, with, uh, with religion. Well. I don't claim to be religious, okay? I'm a born-again child of God, and I believe God's Word, and religion can jump out the window. I don't care about religion. I care about Jesus, and I care about His Bible, and I believe His Bible. I believe it so much, I believe the, the maps and the covers because it says holy. I mean, it's all God's Word, and, and we need to understand that because we're living in times where people make fun of the Bible. They don't care about it. They don't think it's relevant. But I hope by the end of this message that we're all going to understand that, boy, we need to dig in. And, and one, of my, one of my dear heroes of the faith wrote this book. His name was Edwin Lewis Cole, and he wrote Maximize Manhood, Strong Men in Tough Times. Uh, I, I've read this book about four times. And, and I read it before I came up here. I, I thought we were going to have this in January, and so I read it in December. 
<clears throat> I want to I say some things that Ed said in his book tonight, and I want him to have the credit for it. I don't know who he got it from, but I got it from him, so I'll give him the credit. But, um, you know, he, he was relevant. Uh, I was very active with Promise Keepers. How many of you ever went to a Promise Keepers function? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. I was uh, one of their ambassadors, and I got to meet a lot of these great speakers at the different events, and, and we went all over. We were in Washington, D.C., when I guarantee you there was probably closer to two million men that went there than one, and, and the news coverage was pitiful. But it was, a, it was an incredible event. I was in the Atlanta uh, Dome when uh, the clergy gathered there, 40,000 pastors, and I watched Tony Evans get his feet washed. <laughs> there wasn't a dry eye that I could see anywhere around me. It was a powerful uh, act of love uh, by other pastors for him because of his stand for the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> you can get this book off Amazon. Guys, I encourage you, even if you're not a reader, get it and struggle through it because once you get through the first page, you're going to want to read the rest of it. God anointed Ed Cole in such a way that he could communicate to the hearts of men. I want that gift. I do. I ask God for that gift. Guys, I stand before you tonight. I, I, I'm, I'm 72 and a half years old, and, and I love the fact that God let me be born a man. Okay? And, and, and I don't care about political correctness, so don't go there with me. I, it, just, it just frustrates me. Uh, I'm not gender confused, okay? I've never put undecided on an application for a job. God made me a man, and I'm, I'm glad about that. When my son was born, I brought him home from the hospital with chuck-a-boots and blue jeans. He was a man. Well, he was real little, but he was going to grow up to be a man, and he did. But we need to celebrate that God made us who we are. And, and the title of this book is Strong Men in Tough Times. Do we live in tough times? Huh? Don't be bashful. Amen means yes, we do. There you go. I like it. Jeff warms you up, so you're, you ought to be hot now, so just let them come. We live in tough times. And I'm not concerned about how well you can shoot a gun or shoot a bow and arrow or throw a rock, and I don't want you throwing them at me. But listen, the toughness that we need today needs to be the fact that our character has been made tough because we understand the times and we know what God's Word says. And the only way you're going to know that is to get in the book. And if you'll get in the book, the book will get in you. And when you need it, this, this faithful friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Holy Spirit will bring that scripture to mind and it will be there when you need it. That's the truth. That's what Jesus told us. He sent the comforter to us. Here's what Ed Cole said in his book. What you believe is the basis for conduct, character, and destiny. While the world looks for better methods, God looks for better men. That's who we need to be. That's who we, we, we should want to be. And unfortunately today, um, and I also got this, the statistics from him. I sure didn't have time to get all these up together. Um, 
of all the church members in America, and I'm not talking about denominational specific, of all the churches, 10% can't be found. 20% never attend. 25% never pray. 30% never read the Bible. 40% never give to the church. 60% never give to world missions. 75% never assume a, mon, uh, a ministry in the church. 95% have never led a person to Jesus, but 100% expects to go to heaven. I mean, you can ask about anybody on the street today, are you a Christian? And they'll say, yeah, unless they're a diehard atheist. There's more to being a Christian than just saying that you are a Christian. And boy, I tell you, God just, he, he, has, he has packed his word with instructions in righteousness on how we need to live our lives. Um, I, I, I wanna share with you um, seven, seven things because God gives us seven principles for the judgment that's coming in this world. And this, I, I, I'm putting this in here because this can help motivate us and help us understand why we should aspire to be the men of God that God wants us to be. So number one, and these are, these are all out of the book of Romans and most of them are in chapter two. But number one, judgment, judgment will be according to truth. And in Romans 2, 2, it says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. What things? Well, things that aren't the truth. And you know, we're living in times where truth Truth is really not that important to a lot of people. Uh, lying is acceptable. Uh, deceit is practiced commonly. But there's a day coming and we need to understand that. You see, if you're like I am, I had to quit watching the news, guys. Uh, and, and you can ask my wife this, her name's Betty, and you can ask her. It, it made me so angry. I mean, I was, I was of most men most miserable. And I just quit watching it, and I'm, I'm, I'm a lot happier. I can't change it anyway. And now I, I just, I just, you know, it's, it, what it is is what it is. But what I can change is my heart and my anger, and I can direct my anger in the right place because there is a, there is a phrase that's very truthful, and it's called righteous anger. And, and that's what we need to develop. Number two. Judgment will be according to the accumulated guilt of the individual. In Romans 2, uh, verse 5, but in accordance with your hardness and your uh, impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So, you read stuff like this and you think about 
the evil powers that are in, in position right now and, and how, and if you're like I am, how I wish I could change that. Uh, we go to Africa every year and we see, we see a lot of evil there. I've seen the results of that warlord, Tony, uh, I think it was Coney, and, and all of the, the, the people he murdered and, and butchered. And, and I was in a village one year and we were doing ministry there and found out from the chief of the village and the pastor of that village that when he came through there, he set up his camp there five years before we were there and they took babies and murdered them. And guys, I can go into detail and tell you how they did that, but it is, it is so heartbreaking, I, I won't do it. It, it, was, it was demonic. And then I read something like this and I say, thank you, Lord. Because see, it's not over until God says it's over. He is the righteous judge. He did create this world. And one day, and he's done it once already with water. And he'll do it again with fire. It's going to happen. Even though the scoffers are out there. We'll get to that in a minute. Number three. Judgment will be according to deeds and not intentions. Romans 2, 6. Who will render to each one according to his deeds? Because he's righteous and because he's just and because he's holy. Number four, judgment will be without respect for persons. In Romans 2.11, it says, there is no partiality with God. In other words, God doesn't play favorites. God is sovereign. God does as he wills to do. You know, if more people could get that one piece of truth in their head, it would change their life. Because people that, that think that there was not a divine creator of this world, and have you ever wondered how he did it? I went to see the ark back in October over in Kentucky. Oh my goodness, if you've not been, you gotta go. I mean, it is incredible. It really is. You know, we've got this mindset because we grew up here and we had this, this public education that wasn't always godly. And we think about ancient man uh, in a cave grunting and eating with his fingers. Back in the time that the ark was built, I mean, we, we went through the Stone Age and the Iron Age, and, and men were smart. They had intelligence. Noah built that ark under the instructions of God. God wrote the blueprints. It was, it was incredible what he did. And the scale models there, you got to see it. It's just, you just can't believe what, what God did. But he did. All right. Number five, judgment will be according to performance and not mere knowledge. Romans 2.13 says, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Can I share with you, Jeff, one of my, my heartaches from pastoring four churches? Bible studies were always taking place and people were good to come and they would, they would glean the, the, the wisdom of God's word. 
and not do a thing with it. And not do a thing with it. Can, can, I, can I just tell you this? If you want to know one way that God speaks to you, if you ever get this thought that God wants you to do something and your instant reaction is, not me, it's probably God saying, yes, you. Because it delights him to take us out of our comfort zone. We are creatures of comfort and God wants us to step out of those. You know, in, in, in 2003, the first time we ever went to East Africa, and, and here's what we read all this literature, and it says, whatever you do, don't go out at night, don't get away from your hostel, uh, don't do this, don't do that. Well, we were showing the Jesus film at night. It's hard to see that screen in the daytime. So we go out at night and set it up, and we were out one night, I want to tell you something, only God and a GPS knew where we were. I have no idea. I, I don't, I mean, we drove for, for hours on, on no road. How the guy knew it, I don't know, but he knew it. And we showed it, and on the way home, it was like one o'clock in the morning, and that was a no-no. We got chased by robbers. They, they jumped us at a stop sign at a railroad crossing, and they, they came at us with clubs and rocks, and I'm like, get us out of here. And we started driving, and they had a vehicle. And they started chasing us. I was scared, guys. I'm an ex-cop. I didn't have a gun or nothing. I felt like I was naked. And so we prayed. And you know what? We outran them. And when it was all over with, And, and it was like we all had this at the same time. God let that happen to show us how big he is and how small we are. And, and somebody can say, well, isn't it dangerous over there? You know where the most dangerous place in the world is? It's outside the will of God. Hey, you can go to deepest, darkest Africa, and you can be in the presence of wild animals. And you know what? If God's not finished with you, they're not going to hurt you. Hey, you can go to Blairsville some night and go to the ATM and get robbed or mugged or shot. There's no safe places anymore. Evil abounds. But there is safety in the will of God. That's where we need to be. Number six. Judgment will be given according to the gospel of Christ. Isn't that good? not according to psychological precepts or philosophical proclamations. This is Romans 2.16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That righteous judge and accountability will be, will be demanded and it will be satisfied and it will be judged, and it will be judged fairly. Number seven, <clears throat> judgment will be according to reality. I said a few minutes ago, people don't, don't want to believe the book, but Jesus says in John chapter 14 and verse six that he's the way, and what? The what? The truth. He is the truth. 
See, truth was a person, is a person. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is truth. And, and his word will stand forever. The Bible says heaven and earth is going to pass away. He said, but my word will never pass away. They've built heaps of books, Bibles, and tried to burn them. They've tried to destroy it. And God won't let it happen. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he loves you. Because God loves mankind. I don't know what each one of you might be going through. But I want you to hear me tonight. As we, uh, as we daily live our lives and we see all this evil that men do and we can smell the stench of corruption and death and destruction around the world, take heart. Take heart because the sweet smell of Jesus is there and it's never left and it never will. Because the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we don't need to be ashamed of that. Alan mentioned that uh, I, uh, I had a bout with Agent Orange cancer. And, you know, and, and I'm just a human being like you. I mean, I, I wondered. I got scared when they told me I was dying. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I broke down and cried. I, I'm I'm real. I got feelings, but I got a godly wife. And when I sat there in that chair after the doctor told me, she got down on her knees and she said, hey babe, let's pray. I'm gonna tell you what I felt. And this is, so help me, this is the truth. I felt like God was in that room, he was. And I honestly felt like he picked me up and put me in his lap and put his arms around me and said, it's gonna be okay, son. And, and this peace flooded in me. And some of you may have had that experience, so you know what I'm saying is, is true. I've never, I've never had that peace leave me. I've been very sick since then. But you know what? I belong to Jesus. And if I die, I'm gonna be with him. And he's given me life. I'm 12 years almost in remission. Thank you, Lord. Somebody said, why did you move back to Alabama? Seven great grandkids and a wife that smiles a whole lot more now. Happy wife, happy life. We're talking about anger a few minutes ago. Any of you ever get mad? Nah, not in this group. Y'all look so good. <clears throat> we need to reroute the anger that we have over the situation of the world and realize you can have all of the uh, M4s and Glocks and Sigs and Colts and Smiths, and, and you can have a safe full. I know people that's got 30,000, 40,000 rounds of ammo, and you know what I say to every one of them? Well, what happens when you fire the last bullet you got? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So, so what I'm trying to do tonight, I'm trying to help you guys understand it's okay to be angry, but let's reroute that anger. First of all, 
Be angry with yourself. You say, why do I want to get mad at myself? Because well, you're a sinner. You got sin in your life. I know I do. You may be here tonight and on the verge of leaving your wife. And you may have a good defense. Well, Brother Fred, you just don't understand. I mean, she's just not a good wife. And I, well, can I just say this to you? What kind of husband are you? I mean, if, if wives had better husbands, there would be less divorces. And I'm going to tell you something. You're the thermostat in the home, guys. You set the spiritual climate by how you walk with God. And if that makes you mad, take it up with God, because I'm just telling you what his word says. He called us to lead, guys. And either lead, follow, or get out of the way. Why have so many women taken over where men used to be? Why? Because we are not doing it. That's one of the reasons promise keepers came together, to call men back to God. I've been in meetings where men would get up weeping and run out, and they'd go find a phone somewhere, because they didn't have a cell phone. And I knew this because the next day they'd give their testimony. Well, where did you go? What's the matter? Man, I had to go call my wife and get right. I, 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 I repented. I, I, I'm turning this over to Jesus. I want my marriage to work. Well, guys, I want to tell you something tonight. We have a God that can put your marriage together and make it work. Because he is the only super glue that will hold a family together. You can try it without him. And I'm going to tell you this. It is a guaranteed recipe for failure. But with God, all things are what? Possible. God can do it. Trust him. Be angry at the cowardly men that will not stand up for Jesus. That will not stand up in the face of adversity. That will not take a stand in the workplace when they say, oh, don't be talking about Jesus in here. I got a brother-in-law that's a retired chaplain from the army. He was in special ops. He was Delta Forces chaplain in Iraq, and he's seen some bad stuff. And there was a time when the army was going nuts and they were saying, well, chaplains, when you pray, you cannot use the name of Jesus because it is offensive. But yet they were letting, they were letting witches and warlocks be chaplains. Does that offend you? It does me. They didn't do anything about that. So, so John said, so I would pray like this. He'd pray and he'd say, and, and we ask this in the name that is above every name. The name that is the King of the Kings and Lord of Lords. The great I am. The Rose of Sharon. The Lamb of God. The Lion of Judah. Amen. And the head chaplain called him in and said, I know what you're doing. John said, yeah, I'm talking about Jesus. He said, because it's all about Jesus. I don't know how he did it, but he retired as a full bird colonel and he had made a lot of people mad. But I think he did it because he made God happy. He glorified him. Be angry at the attitudes of unbelievers over the authenticity of this book. When people tell you this book is not true, just ask them this question. 
How many times have you read it? Because see, all the experts that I've had the conversation with have never read it. Oh, they might've read a few sentences, but they've not read the book. They, 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 don't, they don't know enough about it to be able to say it's not true. And that makes me angry. And I want to speak up for my Lord, and you should want to speak up for him too. And we need to do that. Amen? Be angry at the media who spends millions of dollars to berate the name of a holy God. So direct your anger where it needs to go and, and, and let it be righteous indignation and pleasing to God because God doesn't like those things either. You know, he, he, he got so mad one day, he beat the fire out of some guys in the temple. I don't mean he, he slapped them with a handkerchief. God, he beat the dickens out of them with a whip. And, and I don't know what your take is, but I'll tell you what mine is, and I'm not ashamed of it. I think Jesus was a, was a heck of a man. I really do. I think he was a man's man. And he wasn't ashamed of it. But when the time came, he put a cloak of humility on because he loves you. And he died. But he did it because he had to make a way for us. And he did. So guys, you know, I, all I can do is tell you what the book says, and it's going to be up to you to do the rest of it. And I, I didn't write this, but, and, and, I, and nobody knows who did. This is uh, what I'm going to read to you is, it's, it's anonymous. Boy, some thought went into it. And some of you have read this. It's called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. How many of you have heard that? You ever read it? Oh, good. I get to read it to you. I am a part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed. The die has been cast. The decision has been made. I have stepped over the line. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. Lean on His presence. Walk with patience. Live by prayer. Labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable. And my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adverse adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, 
shut up, let up, or slow down until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and spoken up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know, and work, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner is clear. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Guys, be God's man starting tonight. It is so important. Be the man that God wants you to be and watch the transformation of your lifestyle. That's not a promise from old Fred. That's a promise from almighty God because Jesus loves you that much. He has a plan for your life. And the Bible says, he that has begun a good work in you will see it through to the day of completion. God knows what he's doing. You know, part of being a man is we, and I guess this is just ingrained in us, we think we can fix everything. I, I grew up that way. My daddy was a fixer. I still have my mom and dad, by the way. They're both in their 90s. Pray for them. They, mom's got Alzheimer's and dad's very frail. And I think their days are coming to a close. But boy, I tell you what, I sure love them. I sure honor my mom and dad. They were so good to me. And dad was a fixer. Let me tell you when I realized I couldn't fix it anymore. I raised three girls and a boy. And I've had some prodigals in my life. I couldn't fix it. I have had the displeasure of sitting in a county jail watching one of my children in an orange jumpsuit on the other side of the glass, handcuffed. And when I would leave, I would pull off to the side of the road and cry my eyes out. And I'm like, God, I can't do anything about this. I need your help. You ever read that verse where it says that even when we can't say anything and all we can do is utter that the Holy Spirit prays for us? That's true. That's true. He did for me. He did for me. And it happened. That child came home. It took years. It took a lot of heartache. It took the follicles from the top of my head. Got to laugh a little bit. Both of them. But God is faithful. And all the time, he's good. Be the men that God wants you to be. We're going to take a break in just a few minutes, but would you bow with me right now and let's, let's just pray. Lord, only you know as you look out in this group of these men here tonight what, what their lives are about and what they're struggling with. Lord, I believe there's some men here tonight that have had a victorious week. And I believe there's some men here tonight, Lord, that are going through a real intense battle. And God, my heart goes out to those guys tonight. 
Lord, I love them. I don't know them. But Lord, you love them and you do know them. And I pray for help to come their way. Lord, I pray that they'll find someone even here this weekend that they can talk to. And God, that we can form a prayer circle around them and help them to realize, dear God, that that warfare praying works. And whatever the battle there is that they're going through, you are mightier than any of that. God, show yourself real like you teach us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you, oh God, raise the standard. Lord, help these men to know you better. Help them to desire to walk closer with you. Lord, help me to do that. God, I'm, I'm, I'm no better than the worst sinner here, Lord. I, I, I admit it. But I know, dear God, that you're a God of grace and a God of mercy. And I'm so grateful for that. So, Lord, as, as these men have their heads bowed and their hearts open and, and hopefully touched by the Holy Spirit, that you will move in their lives. And God, one of the things we're going to have to do if we're going to be strong men in tough times is we're going to have to have the courage to rise above the timidity to declare you in the presence of others. And what better place to start than in a room surrounded by men that love you. So God, if there's a brother here tonight overtaken in a fault, under a heavy burden, facing a terrible ordeal, we just ask you, dear God, to help us to know who they are. And Lord, to surround them with prayer so that you can show them how mighty you are. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother Jeff.